Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Green Left Radio. Um, we've got a, a radical program today. We've got some interviews, and we have uh, we have one interview, and we've got news, and we have got Ezekiel Ox in the studio. He's going to talk to us about politics and music and perform as well, yes? Uh, yeah, and it's lovely to be here so early. Last time I got up this early was for the uh, Woolworths picket, and the time before that was so we could go and um, throw red paint all over Lockheed Martin's driveway <laughs> in Ringwood. So Sounds oh, radical. Yeah. I'll get up for activism, but otherwise I'd be tucked up in bed. <laughs> okay, now we're going to go oh, to the interview first. Yes. Anna's on the line. All right, so yes. Uh, yes, hang on, let me just put it on. This morning we have got... Morning, Anna. Anna Bordenberg from the Earthworker Co-op. Uh, yeah, so Anna, um, can you actually tell us the latest with the cooperatization of the Everlast factory? Is it a worker-controlled co-op yet? So, um, the factory down in Dandenong, um, which was formerly Everlast Hydro Systems, is in a process of transition to Eureka's Future Workers Cooperative. Um, so what that means is that through the fundraising and the investment that we've got We've actually raised the capital to buy out the factory. Um, so all its assets and IP are owned by Earthworker at the moment as it transitions to Eureka's future. So the date we've got is uh, November for that cooperative to have a functioning board and structure and to be up and running. Um, so at the moment, the factory is you know, still operating, still producing tanks. Um, it's just a matter of like the workers training and learning and deciding how they want their co-op to function how they what it, they want it to look like, its structure and decision making. Um, and once that's all sorted, then it will be officially a worker-owned cooperative. Yeah, fantastic! It's pretty um, groundbreaking stuff. And how how exactly was this achieved? Like, what was the process of acquiring the support and funding for the project? Um, the support has been a long, long road. Uh, so. You know, as you, you're probably aware, you know, people have been working on Earthworker for the last 16 years, um, you know, building up those relationships and, and developing that support, particularly within the trade union movement and the environmental movement. Um, so, you know, we've got, at this point in time, we've got like a lot of networks and a lot of support from a wide variety of people. And that's what we drew on this year to raise the capital for that buyout. So... At uh, the middle of last year, we had a crowdfunding campaign. We raised $78,000 in two weeks from donations. Mm. And that was the, the jumping off point um, for the next, you know, for sort of the, the investment round um, to buy out the factory. So over the last eight months, we've had uh, three rounds of debentures. Um, debentures are like shares, but for cooperatives. So the shareholders get no decision-making power. Um, they have no vote in the co-op. Uh, and over those three rounds of debentures, we've attracted uh, almost $600,000 of investment. And that's mostly just from small investors, you know, people within our network, supporters, um, you know, people chucking in $1,000 of their savings, five grand, you know, 10. We've had a few larger investments, um, but almost all of the money has come from just, you know, small investors. Mm. ordinary folks who want to see this happen and believe that it can work. Yeah, wicked. And um, certainly coming from the Hunter Valley, this just transition project that Earthworker is a part of is uh, so important as the coal industry starts to decline. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are some of the challenges, though, transitioning to worker control and existing as a socially and ecologically driven entity within a capitalist, profit-driven economy? Um, well, many challenges, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, you know, uh, attracting funding uh, is, is a problem for a project like Earthworker. You know, it's not a small business. It's, you know, it's not trying to do what most investors think that a business should do. Was, was Gina, um, Gina Reinhardt keen to invest? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't spoken to Gina. She's got her number. Pass she's it got, on. She's got plenty of money. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, a, lot yeah. Of it's ours. a lot of that money is ours. <laughs> 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 a 
Well, so that's the thing. Uh, you know, the Gina Reinhardt's of the world, uh, they're not really interested in worker co-ops. Um, you know, the same goes for a lot of the banks and the superannuation funds. They don't, they don't really see our vision, I guess. Um, you know, so a lot of the, the programs, a lot of the legislation that's set up for small business, it's not set up for cooperatives. Um, so that's definitely a challenge. Um, there's also just, you know, the thing of being a cooperative in a capitalist system, we're trying to, you know, we're tr- trying to fulfil environmental and social justice goals, um, not just make money. Mm. Uh, so that has its own challenges in the way that we operate and, you know, the relationships that we set up because we're not just going to, you know, put profits above everything. Um, we've got a much wider vision, but we, you know, the ways that we can deal with that is through the strong relationships within the movement that we've got. So, you know, our relationship with the union movement, our relationship with the environmental movement, um, these are actually really big strengths for us. Mm. You know, they allow us to access markets that we wouldn't be able to. They allow us to provide, you know, sustainable products to people who wouldn't be able to afford it. Um, and they also, you know, mean that we're not so much at the whims of, you know, everyday market capitalism. Yeah. And and on that tip, um, can you tell us a bit about the Earthworker Clause? Uh, how can unionists get this clause into their EBAs? And then if it is in their EBA, how can rank-and-file union members activate that clause and use it to get a hot water system? Sure. So the Earthworker Clause is something that's uh, unique to our project. Like, worker-owned co-ops exist all over the world, but this is something that we've come up with... Um, as a way to kind of collectivise consumption as well as collectivising production. So the the clause, uh, you know, through the unions and negotiating with different workplaces, um, the clause gets put into the EBA and then that allows a worker to get a solar hot water system as part of their wage increase, um, which means that over the term of that EBA, they actually come out ahead because they've got a product that saves them money and saves them, uh, you know, reduces their emissions. And then they pay that on off in a couple of years, and then they've got their full wage increase in cash back. Um, so hmm. we have that. Uh, we've got that in a, a few unions have been very supportive and are kind of pushing that as they negotiate their new EBAs. Um, so we, that's happening at Federation Uni um, through the NTU. It's also happening at uh, our own factory in, in Dandenong through the AMW. Uh, so that's the first place that the Earthworker Clause got put into an EBA. Um, if it's something that you want, if you think that this would be really great for you and your colleagues, uh, you need to talk to your union about it. You need to push them to come on board and, and put that into the EBA. It can also be as a, an attachment letter. So if your EBA is not up for negotiation, um, then kind of add it on. Um yeah, it's really a matter of like talking to your colleagues and talking to your union reps and, and saying that this is something that you really want. Which most unions they know about us, they're supportive. Like Victorian Trades Hall Council has um, passed a resolution supporting Earthworkers. So you know we're around, we're we're in the movement. Um, it it shouldn't be too hard if it's something that you want in your workplace. Will um, will anyone from Earthworker be? Uh, there today at the union rally at Trades Hall for the RTBU. Since you've got Trades Hall Council support, you should send someone down with a big Earthworker banner. We'd love to see you there. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, solidarity is, like, really important to us. You, yeah. you know, you will find us. We had folks going out to the Woolworths picket. Uh, we had folks at the... When the trans drivers were on strike uh, the other week, there were some Earthworker folks there. I am not sure if anybody from Earthworker is going to be down at... Trades Hall today, um, you know, most of us are, are volunteers and working around our various schedules, but, like, certainly it's something that we really prioritise that whenever we can, we get an earthworker presence um, to support these movements because, you know, we want to support the movements that support us. For real. And, yeah, I've seen a few uh, earthworker people at um, protests against fascist bigots too, which is really good. Yeah. Trying to get yeah. stand yeah. between horizontal violence from um yeah yeah they were the kurdish the rally and the malaysian rally too i saw here and there yeah yeah it was good yeah, yeah. Earthworker isn't, isn't just a corporate it's a proper um, 
a part of our uh, part of our uh, workers' movement here here in Australia. I don't know if she heard you, Dennis. You're too far away from the mic. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, Earthwork uh, is, uh, I think, it's a real example of not just a cooperative, but a real sort of active part of the um, workers' movement here here in Australia. Like some, someone, yeah, uh, uh, you definitely, know, an organization that actually sort of as sort of off off the workers for the workers and uh, uh, to, to strengthen the workers. So to speak. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, for us, you know, there's no good having just one standalone co-op just working for its own interests, you know, then you've got all the risks of, of demutualization or of that co-op becoming just like another corporate entity. Um, we want to be embedded within, you know, within the, the workers' movement, within, you know, the environmental movement. Um, we want to be, you know, something that draws from and offers back to that movement as much as we can. Yeah, we could... All right. Well, thank you very much for the update, and uh, we will be keeping a close eye on further developments with uh, Earthworker. And uh, onward goes the long march to the uh, Latrobe Valley and the Hunt Valley. So, yes, indeed. Thank you for having me. Thank you, uh, Anna. Thanks so much. Okay, if you've just tuned in, listeners, you're tuned in to Green Left Radio, and we have in the studio um, Zane. Hello. And Good Dennis, morning. <laughs> we forgot to introduce ourselves at the beginning. And Ezekiel Cox, yes. a musician, a political musician. And we've got Fergal, who's visiting from Brisbane. <laughs> G'day, comrades. Hey, Fergal, all the way down from Brizzy. Okay, so we're moving on to, and you're listening to, um, you know, 3CR, 855 on your AM dial, and streaming live on the web if you're listening, unless you're in the car driving to work <laughs> because of the strike, but. Good for the workers. Yeah, and you get to listen to us. So that's right. You're probably realizing now, you know, just how fantastic that is. Instead of being oh, bored yeah. in the car. <laughs> okay, Dennis, news. This is so. Uh, first off, first off, uh, people power. Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne forces the border force back down. Yes, yes. I was yes. there. Yes, yeah, so many, many of us were there last uh, Friday when the uh, Australian border force. Um, well, basically, it was, it was announced that the Australian uh, Joint Border Force and Victoria Police uh, would be launching an operation in order to, uh, you know, f- f- uh, frisk and s- search out any undesirables. Sorry, I meant, uh, sorry, I meant, I meant, I meant, I meant uh, people who overstayed their visa. Um, instead, instead, what they they were met with uh, hundreds, if not th- thousands, of uh, protesters at Melbourne CBD as they've. Uh, as, as actually, well, uh, our comrade Ezekiel Ox in, was, uh, was was there too, as he's uh, quoted in this uh, Green Left Weekly article. It's written by Kerry Smith. Wish, well, perhaps you'd like to read it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, this will be full on. This is, yeah. a, this is kind of quite postmodern, but, <laughs> but I'm reading my own quote. It's like, uh, apparently I said... <laughs> I, hope I, I don't know if I remember saying this. <laughs> I, said, I said, we shut them up. They're not having their press conference. We're claiming victory. People who speak a second language are now not going to be harassed on trains tomorrow. That sounds like something I'd say. Well, so well, well, the uh, well, at the start, at the starts, well, let's not forget that the the actual the Australian border force itself was actually launched back in July, and uh, but but. It, 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 since then, it has possessed uh, similar powers to the police. So, unfortunately, they, they may not have uh, gone out there into the streets on Friday to alongside the Victorian police, but they will still be around. So they can carry uh, guns and have powers to detain anyone the officer thinks knows or reasonably suspects is a known citizen. The person can be required to produce an evidence of being a lawful non-citizen and personal identity papers. The person must also comply with the requests within a time period specified by the officer so if you see any of those uh, guys report uh, re- report to the local to your local activists you know there might be might be dangerous uh, signs of us turning into a police state mm. you're I kidding i was I thinking about this and yes. i was thinking you know if you guys all of you look white to me this is an all male show except for me and the panel i'm thinking you guys walk down nobody bothers i walk down it'll stop me immediately just because I I don't look white, you know. But also, they they may overhear um, 
I've already forgotten your name. Dennis. They may overhear Dennis speaking. Then he'll be yes. in And then he might he might <laughs> yeah, be under suspicion. Yeah, so, and I love the way it says them. You must respond in in any amount of time. So, what does that? What is six seconds enough time to reach for your paper? <laughs> is it? Do you get given a chance to take a train train home to get no, your visa? Of course not. It's absolute no, rubbish. No, 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 and hang on, hang on, Dennis and and Lowy. Yes. Just, just to clarify. <laughs> yes. You do usually carry your visa and your passport Absolutely. On, on your person. Oh, always. All, you know that. Okay. And yeah. my citizenship paper too. Totally. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've, got, I've got my citizenship certificate. I left mine in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> You're in real trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on now. Uh, well, this last week we had a visit. Oh, I think and t- t- today as well we had a visit from the wonderful Naomi Klein. Yes. Mm. Wasn't she she's, great? Yeah, she's been uh, touring around Australia, and in Melbourne she was here for the Melbourne Writers Festival, um, and just last week. So her book, this um, uh, this changes everything: climate versus uh, capitalism, encourages everyone already involved in fighting for social justice and equality to see climate change as the best chance we'll have to uh, to get to build a better world. Uh, and, and just to remind ourselves also, apparently last week the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration announced that July was the warmest warmest month ever. And yes. with a predicted of El Nino or, as, or, or a massive sort of hot uh, uh, summer and drought, Australia is set to experience another very hot summer. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if people watched Q&A, but she was brilliant on mm. Q&A. You know, she was... I don't watch Q&A um, as intently as I did last oh, Monday. Probably, so, probably got something to do with Tony Jones. I'd say. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Isn't he sm- smug? Smug. Well, <coughs> I think But what happened, I, I felt that Tariq Ali was also on the panel and he wasn't given half the chance that the Christian philosopher was given. Every time he turned to his left, he would ask, oh, what do you think about this? He ignored the other two people. One was a mm. feminist, one was Tariq Ali, totally mm, out of his range and his comfort zone. Yep. He just left them to the last minute. So that guy had more time than any of the others. But Naomi Klein just went for it. She was mm. so good. She challenged the other guy. I don't know. what I can't remember what he was. He was um, she was telling him, this is the warmest year of the uh, uh, in, in, ever seen for you know, 30, 40 years. And we've had the warmest month. You know, in the warmest year, and you're telling me there's no climate change. She mm. just and she she explained how capitalism um, is the problem really well. You know, it's very very good to to watch. So if you haven't watched it, go into the, the web and look it up. It's very I, good. I first heard of Naomi Kleiman. I was um, probably in my early twenties, and I read No Logo. Yeah. And she's always had that very mm-hmm. firm analysis about capitalism. And and in that case, she was exposing uh, the. Um, the export trade zones and stuff where they could uh, exploit workers and I, I found that book you know quite frightening you know about the um, the global expansion of, of forced basically forced labor mm. so she's always had that um, for someone who's managed to managed to tread the fine line between activism yes. and the mainstream because she sold so many books she's always had a quite a radical perspective for she someone has. who has been accepted in the mainstream and, and credit to her she's a great writer yep. and obviously does great research Absolutely. and and for those who who can't be bothered to read a big thick book green left weekly has got a full article on it so Indeed. here's a abbreviated version of what she's about yeah and also and also just to give it a bit of a plug-in i'll Having Naomi Climate on here is awesome, but we also but that also means we really need to build a large climate movement based on social justice that needs to unite people from all backgrounds, trade unions, Aboriginal activists, environmentalists, and youth, and recognizes the responsibility Australia has to countries that have not emitted much carbon in the past. So just on that, on that note, uh, just giving a bit of a plug-in that uh, on November 28th, 29th, there's going to be the... Um, United UN climate uh, negotiations in Paris, and over here in Australia, we're going to have the uh, uh, the climate ma- the climate march. People's march for climate action. The people's march for, for climate action. <laughs> that was get it right, Dennis. All around Australia and all around the world. <laughs> exactly. And what date is that? That's going to be uh, November twenty eighth and 29th, uh, around around those dates. So. Mm-hmm. So already, already, there's a whole range of organisations and trade unions have confirmed their participation. So. I hope they're not doing it at City Square because uh, yeah. Fed, Fed Square. Yeah. Because I got chucked out from Fed Square during the the demo last Saturday with the Kurds and the um, Malaysians um, having a, a rally about their mm-hmm. causes. The, well, co- the the security guards came and chucked us out. Your socialist alliance, you can't be here. No, so what, do you, what do they mean, socialist alliance? You can't. Oh be no, here. no, you you don't have a right. You don't haven't applied. You oh, haven't got permits. formal approval. Do you mean with your, with your stall? Yeah. 
So just purely because you'd set up a, a, a table. Yeah. So you're allowed. I mean, obviously you're allowed to. Socialist Alliance members are still allowed to stand yeah. around in Federation Square. Yeah. Although I'm not. I'm not putting it past the no, government no, no, to, no, no, to, no. to say no. okay. But it's, it's the, in, the interesting part is we then moved on to the pavement. And there's no delineation between public space and private space. This is a private property you've got to get out. And then they call the cops on us. Mm. So I was thinking, charming. what is this? You know, it's a mm. cop state or what? I was so angry mm. that day. Mm. <laughs> it, might be, it might be difficult for them to do it with this, um, with this walk, walk, uh, walk for climate because the last time, last time we had a rally like this was back in 2009 and they had about 80,000 people. Good. Might yes. be, we need might, more. Might, we need might, more. Might be yes. Might be a little bit difficult. Well, it's such a huge, such a huge um, uh, crux issue. Like if you look at uh, mm. the amount of people that believe something should be done about the environment is up up well, well into the high seventy yes. percent. It's oh, not. Absolutely. It's not a controversial topic. No, people people are worried. People acknowledge that that we are part of the environment. The environment is part of us, That's and right. we we there's no coming back. It, it seems like it's a it's an interesting issue to get the mainstream involved in, mm. and then possibly mm. feed them into other left wing politics. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not just about involving in issues. It's also about providing a, a, a radical alternative that would, uh, to, to oh, not just to the issue but to the system. Mm. That's the whole premise of, uh, of Na- right. Naomi, Naomi's right. book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Moving on now to the um, news of the picket lines. Now the MUA wins another round in Hutchinson's sports fight. Ooh. And you notice it's not in the mainstream media. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Of course, why would it be in the mainstream media? The unions well, want something. Exactly. You can't yeah. put it in the mainstream yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. No, we only hear, well, apparently the unions are building an underground army to overthrow Tony Abbott yeah. for next year. How that's all we hear. How did they win it again? Well, well that's right, industrial action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just industrial action, but also... Constant, not well, well. Actually, it's not just industrial action itself, but it's also been a very strong showing of community support, as well. So, Maritime Union of Australia and Hutchinson Sports manage, Management agreed on August 28th to sign a memorandum of understanding, which will result in all sacked workers in at Port Botany and Port Brisbane, at being reinstated for a further six weeks from August 31st. And now the workers at both sites in Sydney and Brisbane have maintained community assemblies um, at both terminals for three weeks now in protest at the sudden sacking of 97 uh, Hutchinson waterside workers by text and email at midnight on August the 6th. And the assemblies have become essentially become the gatherings of union solidarity for maritime workers, members of other unions and the community generally over the period. Now, MUA Sydney branch Assistant Secretary Joe Dickin told to Jim McElroy from Green Left Weekly, the whole Hutchinson workforce will be on payroll at least until October 15th while negotiations continue. The only reason we've won positive outcomes so far is workers' solidarity and the community assembly. The legal process has not been the crucial factor. There you go. How often do you hear that in the, <laughs> in the mainstream press? The legal process has not been the crucial factor. It's been the Solidarity and Community Assembly. They don't have the language. They, they can't deal with that sort of lingo, then. It's just a mm. problem with the mainstream media. Yes, absolutely. Although also, also if, uh, we should, uh, should note that last, uh, last week there was also, there was also protests held by MUA and other comrades at some of the Vodafone stores in, mm. in Sydney because uh, Hutchinson Sports uh, owns a 50% stake mm. in uh, Vodafone. So uh, it really is, you know, kind of... Uh, um, uh, you know, we are, we're not just dead sitting on uh, on Port Hutchinson's, but we're targeting anybody who uh, owns uh, <laughs> and who is part of that part of that huge conglomerate of uh, uh, oppressing workers' rights. Next up, this is coming from Queen, uh, Queensland, actually, from our comrade Angus. Uh, yes, in uh, in uh, Brisbane. Uh, he's Brisbane. a very fine comrade indeed. Yeah, well, he's the smartest you'll ever meet. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Well. Uh, he's currently report- reporting to us that the resistance members at the University of Queensland uh, have joined the fight for divestment. So the University of Queensland Resistance Club has joined the other student clubs to call the university administration to divest money from fossil fuels. So led by UQ F- Fossil Free, Fossil Free, sorry. Students and staff and affiliated student organizations have submitted petitions demanding a transfer of money away from fossil fuels. Although there's been no st- at this stage, there's been no r- response from the vice chancellor. The uh, ca- the campaigners are evidently um, have been quite uh, active. Um, in Sounds their good. We yeah. need more young people fighting. Exactly. It's their future. And so kudos to the resistance club. Oh. Yeah, and about a week and a half ago, um, Newcastle Council divested for the past emotion. Yes, for divestment. it did too. 
boy, did that set a cat amongst the <laughs> pigeons. The, uh, yeah, this, in this case, it was a Labor left councillor, Declan Claus, and he's a young dude who's been involved in um, climate action in Newcastle. He's got the backing of the mayor, um, whose name escapes me just for the moment. And, wow, did the, did the right-wing close ranks around Newcastle City Council. So I, what actually happened? What, what did they do? Well, they just passed a motion, same as um, Sue Bolton at Moreland Council. She actually passed the first um, divestment motion of any council in Australia. Since then, another half a dozen councils have done that. But, of course, Newcastle's the world's biggest coal port. That's so right. It's a pretty symbolic place for Absolutely. a divestment motion. And the, the Liberal councillors were just beside themselves going, oh, I can't believe it. This is such a big coal port that, you know, <laughs> there's so many jobs in coal. We get royalties from coal. It's, it's, it blows my mind to think that there would be this motion. And uh, Tony Abbott's weighed in. Peter Jordan from the CFMEU has weighed in and said this is anti-Labor and anti-worker, this divestment really? motion. Oh, God. Someone from Labor right, Joel Fitzgibbon, he's weighed in and said this is anti-Labor. So, um, now, create jobs as alternative energy industry. What's wrong with these people? Yeah, bit of imagination, earth creativity. Earth worker, that's right. This is the irony of it. These people who say that they're pro-worker because they're pro-coal... Yeah. are prolonging this head-in-the-sand attitude that provides no alternative to life after coal. And there's no jobs on a dead planet. Oh, that's right, that's exactly talking, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, ah, no. sorry about those noises, uh, uh, <laughs> listeners, because we are sharing mics. There's a bit of a creaking in between. Yeah, that's probably that's <laughs> the high-powered, highly-funded world of community radio. <laughs> hey, come on, this is well-funded by people who listen. Oh, good. Uh, Good. I'm exactly. Just, Fun. Yeah. Thank you. It's for not actually. It's just just to be here. quick though, it's actually not about funding. It's just that there is a performance coming up later, and we've had to like reassign a couple of leads. So it's actually leading to something very good. So just <laughs> hang tight. Ooh. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so uh, uh, further up, the um, our glorious prime minister has uh, uh, is, is attempting us to drag us into yet another Middle Eastern conflict. Uh. Mm. Uh, uh, Tony Iltis here, right, right, right here in the um, latest issue. Prime Minister Tony Abbott has denied reports his government lobbied the US to formally request for Australia to extend its, its involvement in the US-led war against the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria and bomb, bomb targets in Syria, and not just Iraq. Apparently bombing one, one country into smithereens isn't enough. Now we need to extend it to another one. On August 21st, so just a reminder, that, um, Abbott now announced a U.S. request has been made and his government was considering it. And uh, so, well, so far, Australian forces have been bombing target targets in Iraq and providing military support to the Iraqi government forces. Since the U.S. launched war, it's, it's war on ISIS in August uh, last year. Ah, but it's it's a good uh, it's a good title that we have here. You know, what's the real reason why Tony wants us to bomb Syria? And if, is it is it to put more flags behind his back at every press conference? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it Can count? This, this, is just, this is just about a desperately unpopular government who's had their budget roundly rejected. They know that they're going to lose the canning by-election or they're going to have a massive swing against them. They could lose it. Yeah. And then they're just banging the war drum. This is what conservatives do. They get out there and they demonise Muslims. Mm-hmm. They create an other, an enemy, so we can all feel solid behind that genocidal flag that he's standing in front of. And it, it is it's absolutely disgusting. And, of course, I mean, look at the amount of Syrian refugees already. I know. This can't lead amazing. to anything good. And... It's um, it's not okay. So yeah, it's 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 Abbott. It, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel, though, aren't they? Mm. Realizing. But even this, uh, even this, these scraps that are, are are running out. Since I think, even 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 with playing sort of the um, the terror, uh, the, the racism and, te- and terror card, terror card eventually um, uh, sort of. Uh, Eventually, even that expires. You know, mm-hmm. eventually, even even that stops uh, stops being effective. And uh, I'm kind of, kind of getting the feeling that uh, sort of uh, Tony Abbott really is running out of options. Yeah, I think I think we've got there's probably a couple of perspectives on that because we've also got what I'm going to be speaking about later, which is the rise of fascism. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's 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 certainly resonating with certain members of the community. Oh, this yeah. sort of dialogue, yeah. but you know, um, it's it's um, yeah, we've got a long way to go with it. Yeah. I, uh, I I was hoping to be able to deliver some of my looping stuff, which is this uh, wonderful show that I've developed, which um, 
I've been lucky enough to take all around Australia, all the way to Darwin and uh, and Perth, and people have been responding to really well. I was going to do a freestyle thing for you guys, but it's not going to work. So what I thought I'd do, just to give you guys a bit of entertainment on your way to work uh, while you're supporting the RTBU strike yes. in your car, uh, I thought I might do a little bit of a poem for you. Um, and um, I imagine, is there a language warning on 3CR? Um, yes, no swear words. A bit of yeah. a non-language scenario. A bit of a what language? A bit of a non-language that's what I mean. So no swearing. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah, I should yeah. be able to work my way around that. <laughs> um, you can just self-dub yourself and, and do like the old Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll figure it out. Trust me. I'm quite, okay, quite listening. So this is called this is called Torture Den. It goes, so your innocence is lost again and you're looking for a solo friend, but every supposition is just another question that depends. On an answer never coming, hounded through the streets you're running. And all your shoes are wearing thin on the toe. You see, I've got guitar strings that are going to move you in a second. And as I lay it down, it ain't my finger that will beckon. It's just my microphone. I form these syllables with ease. I'm taking on the bankers while you're busy hugging trees. My number from the system, but my culture from my pen. Go gather round your mortgage like it's something to defend and subvert my culture to sell it down the line. Using all those billboards that assault the eyes and mind, you see my patience grows thinner as I claw the uniform and my foes are getting stronger, but I've seen it all before and the money has been building up to something it can't say, mixing heart attacks and slavery with having a nice day. And that's how they do it. So won't you take a seat, you dirty cheat? I've got your number down. I've seen you in your uniforms all around the town, pistol whipping them and oppressing all the more. And the murdered Aborigines got the right to settle some scores. You see, I've finally got my accent on, I've finally got my grip, and I've finally got a strategy for turning mood to shift. And while others find their rhymes are getting blander by the second, once again my lexicon becomes a day of reckoning. Yeah, I'm coming in faster, got Noam Chomsky in a trance. These ideas are the substance, they're the floor on which we dance. So forget about your halo, it's been swept up in the tide. And forget the school's instructions, it's the workers' time to shine. So watch them put their money in, watch them push us round again. Every single crime of theirs is coming back around again yeah the torture den take a good look at the torture den it's just bricks and mortar that they built up all around us then ah the torture den take a big sniff of that torture den i say forget the boredom that they built up all around us then that is thanks that's wonderful Amazing. I want to clap in, in the middle. <laughs> but oh, that's okay. <laughs> that is allowed. Yeah. yeah, people can um people can see me. Um they can check out my website and stuff, but they can come and see me do it on the street as well because I'm actually a street performer. I'm about to head back out after what's been a, a long winter of um of football umpiring. So I've been um actually umpiring Victorian Amateur Football Association of um which is uh the local leagues. I've been up to division one this year in the senior footy. I had a final last week. Actually very interesting final it was um fifth versus second in division four and fifth one so it was a really controversial uh, upset Crazy underdogs. Yeah, exactly. I don't do footy. You all can talk. <laughs> well, well what, one of the things that happened uh, which I think you can probably talk about even though it is football based is um, that um, we uh, I, I ran uh, this year in uh, rainbow socks which uh, were released by the uh, Victorian Equal Opportunity Commission on mm-hmm. Ligon Street and therefore they got Fair Go Sport and brought it on the back of them and they uh, actually uh, obviously trying to bring out, uh, draw out the issue of homophobia in sport. You know, we live in a society where we've got, I think, one or two NRL rugby players have come out mm. um, and we don't, we still don't have an AFL footballer who's come out. Now, you know, statistically speaking, there's a chance, in fact, there's a very solid chance that <laughs> one of those young men, one of them at least, um, is, um, is identifies as homosexual. Um, and um, and it's um, there's there's an initiative happening with the University Blacks as well in the Vaffa, which is where I umpire. They just um, uh, played a game in a rainbow jumper. So, you know, we're starting to see that sort of stuff coming through in football. Yeah. And, and I um I was umpiring, and it was great. And what was amazing was that as I ran around in my rainbow socks, <laughs> completely out of uniform and sticking out very much, um, the there, there was nothing but support nothing but support from the, the football community and people you know a big burly blokes and um that you would expect might have certain opinions were, were all um resounding in their support for um for um you know more justice for homosexual people and more civil rights for homosexual people because really what's what it's about is the fact that we still don't have that um ability to um to marry you know when i say we i mean you know um 
uh, as a society, some of us don't have that. Mm. Uh, and it um, doesn't matter what you think about marriage or, you know, anything like that. It's a, it's a basic civil rights issue. And so the, the support coming in went to show, like, for instance, if you look at refugees, well, there's a hell of a lot of work to be done on refugees. You know, Absolutely. A lot, of peop- a lot of people still think it's okay what we're doing, locking, yeah. locking people up offshore. Yeah. But it's it, around the same amount of people support gay marriage. So it, it just goes to show mm. how contradicted people become in this system. You know, yes. they, they can see one civil right but they can't see another and i think part of that is because um uh, you know whatever the bleating of the upf says muslims are still a very small uh, minority I know. so but you, they can demonize they can demonize muslims and put them in offshore prison camps and they can spend a lot of propaganda money in making sure that people see them as the other and see them as the enemy and they don't get to be treated like people but the the probably one of the, the i guess the most the easiest uh bridges to make with um, the issue around gay marriage or, or just civil rights in general for um, homosexual, queer, uh, you know, trans people is that um, eventually as people get older, they, they know them and they, they realise even if they've grown up sheltered and they've mm. thought that they're not out there, they they soon realise that, of course, these people are in their community and they are. Um, the beauty of humans is that when they're forced to confront uh, and when they're forced to, um, we do generally come down on the side of humanity um, and I think that um, it's very hard to create an, a sense of the other with um, uh, gay or trans people because they're just walking down the street, and you'll 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 see more and more of it as we sh- as we sh- we sh- we should, you know. As in, it, so it's um it was just great though to see that response from the football community this year when I was running in the socks, and also to see that game played. So going back really to the issue of refugees, really interesting because Iceland, um, with the the huge influx of refugees coming in from you know around the Middle Eastern um, nations, offered fifty to take 50 refugees, 10,000 Icelanders offered to take someone into their home. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's the enormous human capacity and compassion that is there that the politicians just ignore. And the other thing, the really interesting thing is Angela Merkel, the German chancellor, you know, would impose such austerity measures in conjunction with the Troika onto the Greece people, Greek people, and yet she has this incredibly compassionate view towards refugees. I think that's a bit historical too, trying to claw back some ground. But also, I guess it, it reflects that she's trying to make up some of the damage she's done you know, in, the, in the way she's behaved towards um, Greece. I think that's just a balance I playing mean, the I, game. I'm really but, cynical about, oh, I am about people like Merkel. I think Me that, too. I, think mm-hmm. that it, we, I don't know enough about what's going on. I think it's really positive if those 800,000 people can be placed, but I, I, yep. I tend towards thinking we'll probably find out what the real motive was in about 10 years or something. Yes. Because I just don't buy these people and their, no, their, true. their economic policy and they're, they're more than happy to, to you know dump on a group of people when it That's suits right. them and then right. they'll also make it look like they're helping when it suits them as well. Mm, but, yeah, absolutely. They're losing control in Europe. Yeah. That's the problem. They're, they're, they're grip slipping. Yeah, The people yeah. are rising up. Yep. Yeah, but you're right. I, I'm glad you mentioned <coughs> that um, gay issue in, in conjunction with it. It's all interesting. Yeah, well, it's kind of it's kind of seen as a bastion of blokiness. Yeah, more, I, I, it, it, I find it interesting because football's seen as that that last bastion of heterosexual blokiness. You know, it's, yeah, it's a, true. And we've we've got um, some 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 steps forwards happening. You know, so which is which is fantastic, and it's being led by players, um, umpires, uh, and um, and of course, many of the players are probably just wanting to be themselves when they're out on the field. Yeah, and why not? Yeah. When look look at Ian Thorpe, who was who came out, mm. um, I think uh, being gay, he's been depressed. You know, it's it's so sad that you you will um, make these people suffer just because the society can't accept people what they are. Mm. I, f- I find that simple humanity lacking, in, and it's very sad to see that. And you destroy people, and you destroy them, destroy their mental health. Look at the suicide rates amongst Absolutely. young young um, homosexual people. Yep. It, it's yep. a, it's a re- it's a um, it's shocking. You know that that I mean, I remember being fifteen. I remember being. Twelve. I remember being yeah. seventeen. It was, it was an exciting time. Yeah. Um, I always identified as cis and straight, and and there was nothing in my way, and it, it was everything was before you at that age. You yeah. know, it still is. It still feels like that at thirty five. But to 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 try and imagine what it must be like to be a teenager who who doesn't want to live is mm. just that's mm. that's an indictment on capitalism. That's right. Um, and it and it should you know it's the same as we're hearing stories back of um, nine year old children in the Kimberley and in the, with the forced closures suiciding. That's right. I mean, what, how sick can a society be when oh. the young don't want to live? God, you you just you you were full of beans when you were kids. I was anyway. Mm, terrible stuff. I know. 
Um, so if we could just um, perhaps segue a little bit. Um, you were at the Bendigo protest against the UPF um, last weekend. Yeah. What is the UPF? Can you, the, the United, United Patriots, Patriots Front. Front. Yeah. The, um, far right. Uh, well, they're neo-Nazis. They're neo-Nazis. Tony Abbott's far right. Malcolm Turnbull's far right. Bill Shorten's far right. These people are neo-Nazis. Yeah, it's really, really important that we define them as such. So, uh, what went down in Bendigo? Do you want to give us a bit of a report? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was um, it was a very complicated and and um, challenging day um, in many ways for the left. Um, we arrived in um, certain parts of the uh, of the um, rally met around the city, uh, the city of Bendigo and others met at Trades Hall. Uh, we then, um, you know, um, uh, joined and um, uh, the CBD, of, well, I, can't, I don't know if you can call it a CBD, it's a town, you know, and a, a, a lovely... Town centre. Quite a town beautiful, centre. yeah, quite a beautiful town. Um, obviously, there's a lot of, you can see the gold rush money in it when you're there, you know, the buildings are, uh, would, would be right at home on Swanson Street or Collins Street, some of them. Um, just amazing, magnificent old buildings, um, and then uh, we, the police had the the city p- petitioned off in quite a serious way, and obviously strategically they would have had their own plans, which um, they managed to execute quite well um, from a police ops level. When I say quite well, I mean uh, they would have fulfilled their goals because they had the streets um, that has corralled in in different sections. Um, once again, for the second time in a row, the Victoria Police facilitated the marching of neo-Nazis on Victoria streets. Um, they, shame. The, absolute okay. shame. And that's twice they've done that because the first two times that Reclaim tried to go into um, Federation Square, they were met uh, very firmly. And the second time at Richmond Town Hall, they were, they, were, they were actually... They tried to facilitate the marching onto the steps of Richmond Town Hall, so they attempted the facilitation. Um, and the, the police lines were broken by... Um, a very a very strong response from the activists, and we actually took the steps of town hall, and the fascists were um, beaten back, and um, that that was a positive outcome. That that town hall is is um, the rates are paid by Muslims, the rates are paid by Asian people, the rates that fund that town hall are paid by homosexual people and other people that uh, the neo Nazis have um, have nothing but violence and um, and hate for. So that was a really democratic thing that happened then on that day. Um, the problem is that when the Victorian police march around trying to facilitate uh, in Richmond 30 neo-Nazis and then um, in front of Parliament House on the 18th, 100 neo-Nazis, um, they start to feel emboldened. Further emboldened, they already do by Abbott stuff. So anyway, they got to the town hall. Uh, they had a, uh, what I would say was a disgustingly coherent rally. You know, I'm, I'm, you know they, um, <laughs> they actually were, they had a rally. Um, and um, we saw speeches from known neo-Nazis people that have been convicted of arson, people that have been convicted of stalking rabbis, anti-Semites, people that have said things like, uh, these were the speakers, I'm not even going to say their names because they don't deserve any air. We're fighting the UPF, we're fighting Reclaim Australia and we're fighting the Australian Defence League. These are the organisations you need to keep your eye on. Even if their leaders fall, they will rise again. Known arsonists, known... um, uh, Criminals, really? No, they are criminals and they they are a criminal element. And what what we've got is um, is a, one of their mem- one of their leaders that spoke on the day. Even is known for his famous quote of saying that every classroom in the country should have a copy of Mein Kampf in it. Mm. This this is the element we're dealing with, um, and this is the element the Victorian police force are facilitating. Mm. And for people to say that freedom of speech or that these people have a right to any sort of space in in this country is is an absolute joke. And it's time to start. You know this this you know libertarian hand wringing about freedom of speech, not hate speech, and not on the street, and that's something that we as people have firmly said. The response from us was huge. Um, we had um, a lot of Bendigo locals out. There was a barbecue in the park so that the kids had a safe space, which is a long way away from the rally, which I think is a fantastic initiative because children should be able to leave their houses on days that Nazis are marching around. And they can't be at those rallies, nor should they. There was um, um, 400 of us... Um, and um, the problem was there was about even numbers on the Nazi side. So they've actually had a really successful rally in Bendigo and they're planning on going back. So, And they're, of course, they're using the anti-mosque, um, the anti-mosque sort of issue because there's, there's been a very small um, and pathetic ra- ra- raising of, um, of uh, tension and, um, what's the word, uh, oppo- opposing the building of a mosque in Bendigo. Now... Um, as you drive into Bendigo, there's three churches that you can yes. see, and they're they're in very nice spots on hills, and they've clearly had a lot of money pumped into them. So, 
Um, this sort of um, do you think Christianity <clears throat> will will cease being able to exist in Bendigo if they build one mosque? There? <laughs> no. But the other thing was that I don't, I don't, and I know you were being facetious, Zane. I like it. Um, and it's it's like, it, but it, it it's a re- it's really about um, it's really about a very small. They've got a hundred uh, hundred and ten thousand people in Bendigo in the area, and there was when when the uh, planning approvals were going to VCAT, there was there was thirteen thirteen people opposed the planning application at VCAT out of 110,000. So what they've done is... That's the, a powerful grassroots <laughs> Yeah, well, that's right. But, but, what, but what, it, what it is, that's exactly right, Zane, but what it is is that that, 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 that you know, pathetic, um, bigoted movement, which is saying that people, Muslims shouldn't have a space to identify, shouldn't have a space to worship, there were, there were clearly a background noise of some, you know, 200 people who, who are bigots, Right. Now, in the current climate, 200 is not so bad. But they've, they've, the UPF, and I want to be very clear to anyone listening today, it's very easy to look at neo-Nazis and say they're morons. These people are not morons. And Tony Abbott's not a moron. You don't get to be Prime Minister and you don't get to hold True. a rally and you don't go to Bendigo where there's been a bit of anti-mosque feeling because you're making a bad political strategic decision. These people are in politics. They're, they're in the politics of violence. They're in the politics of division. That's why we must stop them. And they have made a very savvy tactical move because it's the first time this year after they've been smashed off the streets in Melbourne. They always lose in Melbourne and they know that. It's the first time this year they've been able to hold a coherent rally. It's the first time this year that they've been able to actually have photographs of that many people in the street. And as far as they're concerned, their tails are up. Mm. And that... That's that's our challenge in the left. That it is it is now up to us to build a, a really strong anti-fascist movement, mm. and it's up to us to continually call out these people for what they are. They have no place in in any form of political discourse in this country. And if people want to point fingers at the left and say we're being bigots, you only have to look at what happened in Nuremberg. You only have to look at what happened in Italy. You only have to look at anywhere in the world that people like this have been allowed to get a foothold, mm. particularly in times of great economic downturn. Yes. We are in a really serious situation here in Australia right now. And I would encourage anyone to reach out to No Room for Racism and encourage them to reach out to uh, the campaign against racism and fascism. But not only that, Start calling it what it is when you're talking to people. Say to people that you heard me on the radio the other day outlining the arson, the harassment of rabbis, the uh, criminal thuggery, the um, saying the copy of Mein Kampf. Tell people this stuff. No one wants Nazis. You you could even – you could be wringing your hands about the refugee issue. You could be a little bit right of centre. That There's a big difference between wanting Malcolm Turnbull to be Prime Minister and wanting these Nazi scum, and that's what they are – anywhere on the streets they have no right to be on the street and so that and um but it was a really horrible day and it's i'm still kind of recovering from it a little bit because um it's horrible because what we have is a systemic support of such bigots as as you know the federal attorney general got up and said in parliament people have right to be bigots Mm. so what you have is the federal government facilitating these guys around the country so it gives them the opportunity and and that space to mm-hmm. go out and declare their their politics. And I think the left has a duty to get out and push them out of the way. Absolutely. Yeah. And and we can we can do it, and they're not to be scared. You, you, there's no point being scared of these people. They're bullies. The only thing they respond to is strength. But what I will say is that there you can draw a very, very thin line between the policies or the goals of the uh, current neo-Nazi movement of the Australian Defence League um, and Reclaim Australia you can draw a very, very thin line between them and policies like metadata retention, yes. policies like the attacks on trade unions and policies like the incarceration in concentration camps of a maligned minority population. Now, those po- those policies aren't... And, and policies like the creation of this border force that want to go around and check people's papers mm. and all of whom are armed. Yeah, so, what we're, so what we're actually saying... <laughs> so what we're actually saying here, if you look at it and you look at the political analysis of it is that... There's very little doubt that Tony Abbott and his government are at the very least quasi-fascist. They want to attack trade unions. They want to retain your personal data. They want to push you around with all sorts of Stasi-like police forces. These people are fascists, and there's a good reason that fascists are marching on the street. It's because they look at their leader, Tony Abbott, and they see that they've got space, as you mentioned earlier. So, um, but it's, it's. I saw. I just, I just want to finish with this one point, which is that on the day, I saw six. Hitler salutes oh, God. Mm. towards the crowd. This is how bold 
these people have become. Since now, Hitler salutes from the stage. From 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 the from the rally, towards our rally, you know. The, yeah, the, yeah, I, and I can yeah. share photos, and you don't have to look too far to find yeah. them. This is who we're dealing with. Mm. Don't see them as some lunatic fringe. They they are dangerous, and they if they get even the slightest power, then it I would I would be looking over my shoulder. And I do want to say also that the kind of people they are. I've received over forty death threats this week after being very visible at that, at that rally. I've had photos of my family, my mother, my partner, and my child splashed over the internet. These people are disgusting, and they're trying to intimidate the leadership in this case, which is what I'm doing, mm. out, of, out, of, um, out of acting, and they're trying to make us feel intimidated. And, and, it, and it has been really, really quite scary. You've you know? got our support, I'm sure. Of course, yeah. but it's not just about. It's, and of course, I've got three CR support, and of course, I've got the support of the um, the, the entire movement. But it, but it, it, these these people have got form with carrying out these yeah. sorts of things, True. and they're saying the most disgusting things. But not only that, they're including my family, and it's just it's unacceptable. So, come and join me, who will not be cowed by death threats. And um and and be there because we we're, we're going to win it. That's the thing. We are going to win because the fascists will always lose. Okay. On that note, thank you very much, Ezekiel. That was wonderful having you on the program today. It's been my pleasure, and thanks for having me. And I'm uh, I'm happy to come back if you can yes. find a use for me. You're going to be you're going to be performing at the RTPU rally later today. Well, performing's a it's a very broad term, isn't it? But I'll be certainly making a lot of noise with my <laughs> PA, and I'll be well, I say union, you say power, union power. power. Yeah, yeah, that's power. What, that's yeah. what we'll be hearing. <laughs> that's especially for today, mm. Dennis. And Zane and Farrell, thank you for being here, and we will go out with the outro. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper. Green Left Weekly provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to Green Left Weekly, and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call one 634 206 For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Thank you for listening. You are tuned to 3CR Community Radio 855 Digital on the AM dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. <laughs>